Hey, Changemaker. Welcome back. It's Julia Wicklander here, and today I am really excited to share this conversation with you, which is incredibly relevant for young changemakers as well as for the future of organizing for change overall. My guest today is Nasra Ayub. She is a multi-award-winning women's rights campaigner, speaker, and writer from Bristol in the United Kingdom. Nasra is a part of Global Fund for Children's work and specifically supports the implementation of the Spark Fund, a global youth-led participatory fund that we speak more about in this conversation. Nasra recently delivered a TEDx talk called What If Young People Ran the World, where she speaks about the need to shift power of philanthropy decision-making away from traditional donors to young people themselves. Nasra also works as an outreach worker and freelance journalist, raising awareness on topics such as ending violence against women and girls and racial and social inequalities. She has been featured on The Guardian, ITV, BBC3 and BBC1, speaking on race and other social justice issues and was a recipient of the Diana Award for her efforts to end female genital mutilation since the age of 15. It is such a pleasure speaking to Nasra. She shares so much wisdom in why young people need to be at all levels of creating change. She also speaks about her own journey as a young changemaker, what sparked the desire in her to be a part of creating positive change what obstacles she has faced, and what has helped her along the way. Nasra also gives her advice to other young people who want to say yes to the challenge of being a changemaker. Without further ado, here is Nasra Ayub. Hi, Nasra. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it is such a pleasure having you here on the Hate Changemaker podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so can you share a story or a moment in your life when you felt like um, it sparked in you to become a change maker and perhaps more specifically to work for, um, you know, women's as a women's rights advocate and, and campaigner as you have? Yeah, I think it was when I was... Um, 15 years old um, and I saw my older sister who um, was involved with the organization in Bristol um, which was uh, kind of doing work within Bristol rather than nationally at the time called Integrate UK um, and I she was kind of doing plays with them and uh, doing kind of uh, like creative uh, videos um, to kind of convey messages around like you know uh, things around gender things around like uh our communities and th those kind of things and I asked her um I just asked her one day because I was just curious like what is it that you're doing like you're always in and out of the house um like what are you getting up to kind of thing and that's when she kind of told me about um FGM female genital mutilation and how you know they were doing work to raise awareness around that um and I, I still didn't know what um female genital mutilation was so she told me kind of more about it and she asked me to um come to like the the integrate office with her um to meet like the director lisa at the time um and yeah just to hear more about like the work and what fgm was and i was kind of shocked um at that that such a horrific thing was um happening to so many young women and and girls across um across the world mm. um and i just thought to myself why have i never heard about this because another thing was that it was quite 
uh, common within the Somali community, and I'm from a Somali background um, and back home as well, it was quite common. So I thought to myself, like, why have I never heard of this? Then I had a conversation with my mum um, and I realised I actually have heard about it. And my mum has mentioned it when we were younger and will tell us about, like, you know, the horrific things that happened back home. But it wasn't called mutilation, it was called circumcision. Mm -hmm. So that's where, like, the gap of knowledge was. And I think from there, I was like, oh, OK, it's time for me to get involved and, you know, um, start kind of contributing to making change around this. Because another thing that I learned was that I had family members that had been victims of it. Um, and I think in one one kind of breath, I kind of found myself lucky um, in my family to not have been, you know, a victim of FGM. But in the other kind of sense, I was like, there's there's young women and girls that are still at risk of it or have got undergone um, FGM. And, and this we need to talk about this. Mm. Um, so I think that was kind of the the this the time um where I realized like yeah this is this is where my kind of um my purpose is um and yeah I started kind of helping out with conferences and um being the background person because I had a lot of social anxiety but when I was as I was getting older I was like okay cool now it's time to try and be on the front lines and you know use the energy that I have to to kind of scream and shout about the things that young women and girls from you know um my community and other communities are, have been victims of. Mm. Wow. Amazing. I feel like we can have a long conversation about getting over that social anxiety um, and how you then managed to go on to have, you know, speak on stages. Um, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, in, and that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and so, yeah, you've been speaking out uh, against racism. You have held a TED Talk um, and you've been campaigning against FGM, female genital mutilation, since um, you were 15. Um, so as a young person, um, being a ch change maker at such a young age, what particularly do you feel have been sort of the challenges that you faced um, as a young person starting to take action? I think, oh, I, th I think there's been multiple I think the first one um, is being taken seriously. Um, mm. And I think being, and I think this is something that I refer to in my TED talk about seeing young people as experts, um, not only of their realities, but of their futures. Yeah, so I think for me, I think the, the biggest thing was being taken seriously because, you know, when you're in a room full of adults as a young, you know, teenager, um, trying to say that, you know, these are the policies that we should change or these are the things that the government needs to do, um, especially when mm. I was younger. I think now there's a bit more of a shift because we're seeing, you know, young people on the news. We're seeing young people on the front lines um, and and kind of creating their own spaces to make these changes. But I think when I was younger, it was a bit more like, Who are you? sorry, like, should you not be focused on your schoolwork? Like, should you not be, you know, studying? Like, what? Like, why are you here kind of thing? So I think yeah. that was like the biggest challenge was being taken seriously um and being yeah seen as somebody who has expertise and somebody who you know cares and has passion and should have a voice in in creating change within that space um mm. so yes yeah, so I think that was the biggest one and I think another kind of barrier um or challenge um I think was kind of taking care of myself um and taking yeah. care of like my mental well-being um all of these subjects all of these topics are extremely extremely um heavy um and um I think is that there's a difference between when you're talking about advocating for things that are not your own identity, but when it's your own identity um, mm -hmm. and things that you are kind of um, part of, such as, for example, I'm a black Muslim um, young woman um, and in fact, I'm advocating for all these different identities. Whatever I'm hearing, whatever I'm seeing, not only affects my community, but only also affects me. Um, mm -hmm. I think one thing that I wish I had 
um, more control over or more kind of uh, awareness on was my own health, not just mental well-being, but I mean physical health, um, because I think yeah. being in these spaces really does um, impact. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just your health, and I think it's something that impacted mine and something that triggered a health issue in me because of the stress and the the, the trauma and the the severe distress, shall I say, and um, that I faced being in the space of um, activism and campaigning. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's something I definitely always, whenever I speak to young people and they, they ask me for advice, I always say, put your health and your mental well-being first. Like, it's, it's, it's there's no point in you being here if you're not functioning um, and yeah. you're, you're not doing well. Like, yeah, put yourself first in that space. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and when it comes to feeling that you're you're meeting distrust and that other people, you know, don't take you seriously. Um, are there specific spaces where you recognize that more, like where you felt that more when you started to speak out, started to, you know, take action um, on the different issues that that you did or that you do? Yeah, no, 100 percent. I think um, spaces where uh, firstly, there are people who have been um I think in in positions of power for a long period of time and they're they're really stuck in their ways Um, and I think you find that of course with people who are a little bit older just because um, if you've been doing something for 10 years a certain way and 17 year old comes in and says to you um, we should change this and this is not okay and this is not acceptable you're going to think who are you Um, Mm. and I've been here for 10 years I've been grafting so you can't come and tell me how things are done um, and I think that's kind of a common theme that I found was that those that have been in their positions and have been in positions of power, uh, whether in an organization or whether in the the uh, government or yeah. whatever space it is, um, they're more likely to be stuck in, in that kind of um, gatekeeping mentality. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that also is underpinned by risk and risk management. Um, and I think that's why it could be one of the reasons why we see a lot of young people again rebelling and taking to the streets and kind of having using other tools such as social media to um expose and 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 drag shall we say like these different like mechanisms that are putting um barriers in place or closing doors because um I think young people are just like this is it's enough kind of thing and I think we have this shift Mm. where there's a lot more risk taken and a lot more kind of um creativity I see within the younger generation that maybe um uh, was kind of not as um, celebrated or not as kind of uh, nurtured within mm. other generations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about someone starting and becoming a role model. And as you say as well, I mean, for in terms of, of um, you know, being a minority and being sort of a sub- subject, a subject to a lot of the issues that you're, um, you know, campaigning against. Um, that is it's just so important to to shine a spotlight on those change makers and the people that you can identify with and say that you're a part of of a community um and a movement as well thank you so much for sharing um so can you talk a little bit about i mean what has actually helped you to overcome those challenges like what what have you done to take care of yourself and manage your your own mental health but also sort of um what has helped to gain people's trust and and start being taken seriously um because because that is something that you have <laughs> it has grown and it has um, become something that you've been able to to accomplish um so what has helped you in that journey um i think 
definitely uh, creating um, a micro community of people that you trust um, people who are on your side um, and people who uh, have the same values and beliefs as you um, but not only those that are on the same level as you I guess in terms of where you like play your position but more so those that are maybe I guess in terms of power and positions that are above me but are allies I think that's been very very crucial and and I think very just important to kind of um, have um, as uh, a relationship because those kind of people are the ones that will help you get into certain spaces or advocate for you or make sure that when you're in spaces that I might not be in that they'll be like actually this person should be in that space that this person should be speaking in these um, rooms and I think um, compared to again when I was younger to now um, especially post uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, kind of situation that happened in 2020 with the passing, the murder of George Floyd. I think there's been more people have had their eyes open and been like, actually, hold on. These people that have been campaigning or doing activism um, for a while, actually, they, they, they have, like, we want to listen now. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, for me, I've only kind of uh, been here for, let's say, seven, eight, to 10 years whatever there's been people that have been here for 30 years um and are, are kind of like shocked at the fact that we, we're not being taken seriously up until um you know a, a worldwide uh movement happens um so i think for me the biggest thing was to have allies um and have a micro community of people that you uh the trust people that you um are in the same kind of uh not in the same space necessarily but like have the same kind of mindset as you are and believe the same values that you do um yeah not only does that help you again like I said um move forward and move into space that you may not be in but for the mental well-being side of things these are the people that will kind of remind you that you know it might be a bit bleak in the world there might be people that may not believe you and be like nah you're you're what you're saying is you know rubbish but you've got your own micro community and that's the most important part that believe in you and are rooting for you um, and that reminder is what keeps me going um and I think lastly I think working with young people um you're working with kids like you know that are the younger than me mentoring them giving them advice being able to kind of give them opportunities I think that's been a massive um hug shall I say a hug for my mental health a hug for my for my kind yeah. of areas of doubt because you remember that there's a legacy behind you you remember that there's kids behind you that are following in your footsteps um that are you know going to be looking up to the things that you're doing and finding it inspiring and, and kind of joining the movement so I think that's that's really what keeps me going um and when I'm feeling like I can't do this anymore I just remind myself especially now that you know there's there's people that are actually rooting for you and are on your side and are kind of learning from you so it's bigger than me yeah. Um, and yeah, it keeps me going. <laughs> mm. I mean, it really sounds like it's they they are sort of beacons of hope for you and just really building that hope for for the work that you do, because I think, you know, as working with a lot of these difficult issues, it's really about never losing hope, because as soon as you you do that, then then everything is is worthless. Um, but but yeah, just being able to to hold on to that hope and other people can really mm -hmm. spark that for you. Um, yeah. Beautiful. So in your TEDx talk, um, that's called What If Young People Ran the World, um, you speak specifically about overhauling philanthropy and, uh, and really just ensuring that young people can lead the funding um, uh, 
yeah, the funding sector for charities, for grassroots organizations. Um, I would love for you to paint a picture um, what it would look like if young people really did that, if young people were the ones that were funding change. Um, what what would a, would a world like that look like? I think for me, a, a world like that would look like a world where um, movements are resourced properly and resourced without burden, resourced with trust um, and resourced with authenticity. I think this is um, something that is very, very um, important, I think, in this kind of philanthropic space, which we kind of grapple with is, you know, the, the kind of risk management versus trust based philanthropy. Um, and I think when you have young people who are, again, on the front lines, part of their communities and part of the movements that we're trying to fund, um, I think having them kind of be in the space of where funding goes, I think it really um, connects that disconnect that we see at the moment between communities and fund the funding space, I think, personally. So I think a world where young people ran it, a world where young people resource uh, change would be a world where, you know, we'd see more effective change. We'd see change where... Um, mental well-being is put at the forefront mm. um not only those that are beneficiaries of organizations are valued but also those that are within the organization themselves sometimes we see i think um grassroots organizations as drivers of change but we don't see them as human beings yeah. um and i think young people are able to kind of bring that back and bring well-being at the heart of actually how do we um ensure that the people that are doing the work are taking care of themselves mm. um and I think sometimes within the funding sector, we kind of forget that. And that's why, again, we have all these huge numbers of paperwork, huge questions within applications, huge numbers of like surveillance of grassroots organisations. And I think young people are the ones to say, actually, no, that needs to change. That needs to actually not be the case and um, actually are the ones that are willing to take that risk um, and, and, and be risk takers in trusting um, these, these entities to actually do the work that they set out to do. And it's something that I also refer to um in my um in my talk and i think lastly like another thing that i see is that young people are um they want they want to be part of change yeah um they they're not the ones to kind of conform again young people are not a homogenous group but i talk about those that are interested in this space i talk about those that are want to make change and those that are kind of mobilizing um and those that want to mobilize should i say because that's a forgotten group too but mm. these these and these kind of stakeholders that we see um are the ones that are kind of willing to uh say the things that maybe those that are part of the philanthropic space for 10 20 years aren't, are too scared to say they're the ones that are willing to actually have the context and be in relationship with their communities and bring that back to the funding space so one of the things that i wanted to kind of refer to in and i'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it later on is in the spark fund is what was so fascinating is when these um the young people that we worked with were looking through the applications for their regions they'll be like oh, i know this organization yeah they did this Oh, I know that organization. They kind of worked on this. Oh, this organization, they said they uh, did this last year. Yeah, I was there um, and I went to that event and I was there. And th these organizations are amazing. When do we hear this from those that are far removed yeah. from the spaces? When do we hear them saying, oh, I can give you context, mm. you know, in a, in, a, in a list full of applications, I can give you context because I was part of that community. I was part of that work. I supported that. I saw that. And I think that's what we see with young people. So if they're on the front lines, why can't we bring them into these conversations and these spaces and allow them to actually be the experts um in leading where the funding goes because they're the ones that have more knowledge than we do mm. give the tools knowledge and resources to understand how funding philanthropy works but allow them to kind of take charge and see what magic is created because i think it's can be something incredible oh yeah 
Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I recognize so much that you're talking about. Um, I, I started Girls Globe when, in my early 20s. Um, and at the time, I really just, uh, yeah, I, 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 we've never really applied for a proper grant because it's just so like... <laughs> so tiring and the as as you say the amount of surveillance it's more work than the work we're doing ourselves um and we want to focus on the things that actually create change right so i think that's what you're saying that a lot of young people have just also had the need to be creative because they are just so keen on creating change rather than holding up bureaucracy or you know other things that that is just, yeah, institutions that aren't really serving us. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really recognize a lot that you're saying. And I think that a lot of young people uh, who are listening, who want to be a part of creating change really do as well. Um, so yeah, you're working for um, the Global Fund for Children uh, with them and specifically supporting the implementation of the SPARK Fund. Um, can you share what the SPARK Fund is? Yeah, so um, absolutely. So the SPARK Fund um, is a, uh, a kind of a global fund where, where uh, we kind of allow youth um, and young people to uh, shape, design, um, and lead um, where the, a, a certain amount of funding uh, goes um, and it was a pilot project and it kind of was inspired and kind of came out of like the the pandemic where we saw a lot of young people were again creating change in their communities but didn't have the resources or the funding yeah. um, and you know there, there was the question of okay how do we um, allow them to how do we get this funding to their spaces but also how do we allow them to kind of decide what that kind of funding looks like um, so that's why we decided to kind of pilot it. And we had uh, four different regions. We had um, Asia, uh, Southern Africa, sorry, South Asia, Southern Africa, um, Europe and Eurasia and Americas. We had four regional uh, panels um, and all those four regional panels had uh, young people on them um, who were part of this uh, panel process where they, again, uh, came up with values and commitments that they had to one another and to the process and to um kind of yeah trying to get funding to their communities but also then they designed the questions they designed the criteria they designed how much they would want to give to each of the uh, organizations that they will when the applications would come in um and then they would yeah make the decisions shortlist uh, decide and the way that they made uh, decisions which is quite interesting was we used like a voting platform um and uh, the first kind of part of the voting platform was to kind of like favorite uh, the applications that they liked and then it would go on to like a pairwise voting where they would vote um for which application they prefer between two um and this would kind of create a a, a short list again where as a panel they would have a discussion decide on their top 12 or 15 um uh, organization that they they would pick um and yeah i think there was a lot of lessons learned um from working with young people um one of them being to be adaptable um and be flexible because you know for us it was a learning journey and also for um for the young people as well because we were like we want you to have as much autonomy over this process as possible um and we will kind of take a step back and be facilitators um but you know building that relationship between them as young people and us as facilitators was quite a interesting one um and for myself I oversaw the Southern Africa uh, panel and I think yeah for me that's that was one of the biggest kind of ins inspirations for my TED talk um because seeing these these young people give context and, and give passion and give uh just knowledge on 
you know, the, the applications and the communities and the things that they found was necessary to fund within their communities was just, was just incredible to see. You know, one of the first sessions that we had was, um, okay, what is it in your communities that you think needs funding? Um, and, you know, the things that they came up with was, for example, youth unemployment, mental health, education, uh, education and innovation, um, and also looking at sexual reproductive uh, rights um, and gender-based violence. And I think, again, they knew this because they were part of the communities that they were, they were you know, trying to fund. Um, and because for me, I, I I live in the UK. How am I supposed to know what um, you know what organisations and what kind of issues are taking priority for young people in Namibia, Zimbabwe, or Lesotho? Mm. I wouldn't. So let's bring in um, and resource young people who actually are part of that change and allowing them to um, make those decisions. And yeah, now we have uh, fifty six partners globally um, chosen by young people from those regions um, because of this pilot process um so yeah it was, it was quite a fascinating journey to go on yeah it's amazing um and one of the participants in one of the panels has published a post on on the girls globe platform just sharing their experience and um it's it's just really great to hear that not only have them they been able to put you know, participate in something that is incredibly powerful for young young people themselves, but they also um, gain so much connection and community with with other young people across different countries and communities. And just that, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, connection has supports them as well. Um, so I, yeah, it's incredible to to hear how powerful it is on both ends uh, for young people across the process. What has the impact been so far? I mean, you have 56 um, uh, partner organizations then that your partners that you're supporting across um, many different regions. Um, what sort of is the process now um, for those that are involved? Um, what, yeah, what does that look like now that you're, you're creating funds that is very, very different to traditional funding? Um, so what does that process look, look for organizations that are, um, you know, connected and, uh, and participating? And um, yeah, mm. tell us a bit more. Yeah, so I think from, I think we've got two kind of, for me, the way I see it, we have two sides of it. I think we have the, the partner organizations, which is the 56 partners and then we have um the, the young people from the different regions that we work with and i think firstly on those of, on the young people from the four different regions i think one of the biggest things is that we didn't want to just be like okay cool now that you've you know helped us with this goodbye see you later yeah it wasn't like that i think now is um a case of okay how can we still engage you in in the global fund for children but also when we see opportunities how can we bring that to you so that's something that we've tried to kind of do so we've had um the youth panelists kind of sit on panels um, to talk about not only the spark fund but themselves and the kind of their own journeys we've had them write blogs for us we've had them be part of um instagram live interviews um and also um be part of like video series and, and photography series that we've had so that's one of the kind of the the areas that we're trying to kind of still shape is how do we continue to keep in contact and how do we continue to keep bringing opportunities because i think that's another thing is that we can't use young people as a means to an end i don't believe in that i think we need it's important to nurture them and nurture their kind of um the the things that they're doing and I think um you know one of the things that we have for I can say for the Southern Africa panels that we have a group chat and sometimes they'll talk to each other on there or they'll share certain things that they're getting up to and I think that's really important for us to kind of support and just you know like let them know that we're still rooting for them Mm. um and keep that relationship there 
Um, and then on the side of the the kind of the the partners, I think one of the biggest things is again um, ensuring that we create a network network of sh- uh, learning and sharing. Mm. Uh, because one of the things that we found is that some of these organisations, if not um, majority of them, are youth led or if not focused, um, and that means that some of them have never had a grant before. Some of them have never had um, a, a, a larger kind of grant, or they haven't had a, a kind of a grant from an organisation like Global Fund for Children, where there might be a bit more of a hands-on approach, or to the extent that they would want, of course, but in a sense of like helping them with maybe shaping their garden or helping them shape their capacity development, mm-hmm. helping look at how can they fundraise even more, how can we, you know, shine light on their work. And I think that's the kind of relationship that uh, we're trying to kind of build at the moment, um, and kind of visit them and see what the work that they're doing um and yeah just support them in, in any way that they see fit because again as I said some of these organizations have never been able to kind of access maybe the support that we're able to give um or are aiming to give um and yeah like you know in September we had um uh, we brought the Europe and Eurasia cohort together in um, Armenia uh, for convening um which I think was a, a fantastic way to kind of build networks uh because sometimes you know when you do it online it doesn't have the same kind of impact and relationship um strengthening as maybe in person yeah. um so yeah we were able to kind of bring them together um and have uh team building activities and you know looking at where is the crossover between these different countries um as well as where um, um how, how can we bring in external people to kind of you know help you guys learn about um how do you fundraise? How do you do capacity development? And how do you have longevity as an organization? Because for some of them with the Spark Fund, it's just the start. Um, and I think the next step now we're looking at is looking at kind of how can we do like a more um, theme focused round? Because mm. before it was kind of like we, you know, we said to the young people, like, you guys choose, okay, what do you want it to be? So some of them, for some of the regions, they chose to kind of have a just a youth led and youth focused organization supply. Some of them had a focus on health. Uh, climate justice um, and like gender-based violence so there was there was for different regions they had different kind of themes but we're kind of looking at what does a theme-based spark one look like um, for example climate justice you know if we had a climate justice round in a, in a region what does that look like so yeah those are the kind of things that we're trying to explore um, and hopefully are able to kind of bring in even more young people to part of the process um, yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting. And uh, yeah, it's great to hear about that, that process. Um, Because as you say, I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, getting a lot of money or getting a, a, you know, funding for the first time. And then also, uh, there are so many issues of running an organization or running or campaigning on something. um, And often certain pieces are completely underfunded, like communications. <laughs> and that's like one of the, the parts that Girls Globe really supports with, you know, grassroots organizations and, and activists and advocates um, with. Um, but there are other parts of like, you know, creating a budget and, you know, taxes and all of those different things that, you know, how do you actually make that uh, work? Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's great. To, I look forward to following and, and seeing uh, sort of more of, of how you manage that in the different regions as well um, to support those that you are supporting um, even more. Um, so... Philanthropy hasn't really changed yet. You are, you know, working on on creating creating change. Um, 
and there's st still a lot of work to sort of over overhaul uh, colonialist, racist, sexist, patriarchal and traditional capitalist systems that are really not working for young people in different parts of the world. So what do you want to, what would you say to young people um, who really want to create change in their communities um, and or perhaps even in the entire world, um, those who are really, really keen on, on creating change? Um, what words of advice do you have for them as they choose the difficult path as a change maker? I think firstly, like, and I said this at the beginning, is like, take care of yourself. Um, you know, the world will still keep running if you take a few days out for your mental health and your 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 well-being. Um and listen listen to your body, like listen to what your body needs because sometimes we think that the trauma of being a change maker or the trauma of kind of and the stress of being um in this space only kind of affects the mental, but actually it can also affect the physical. So yeah, firstly and most importantly, take care of your health. Um and put that first. And the second thing is is that um, look to see who your allies are um bring them in and uh hold them close because in this roller coaster of being a change maker you're gonna need that mm. um and also i think lastly is that remember that you have a micro community sometimes it feels like your change is um not doing anything sometimes it feels like it's hopeless but look to what change you're making in your micro community in your smaller community look at the change and the le legacy that you're building in your in the people next to you and the people you know in your um, space because that's what's going to keep you going and remind you that sometimes we may not be able to change the world but we can create a micro community where it's full of love it's full of light it's full of um, progressiveness um, and full of people that will have your back as you try and shape what it means for you to be an activist or campaigner or a change maker mm, love that love that so what opportunities lie ahead um what opportunities are available today for young people um to engage with the spark fund um or what can they look forward to in the future um in the near future yeah so i think um there will always be opportunity for young people to engage in the spark fund and hopefully as uh, you know as we're looking for more funding we're looking for more resources um that space will kind of continue to to grow and I think, um, yeah, if you are if you are a young person interested in being involved in the Spark Fund, even if it's not an opportunity specifically right now, contact us, and you know we will, um, of course, uh, yeah, keep you keep you in mind, of course, as we shape this further. Um, and I think just on a bigger kind of picture, although we're not there yet, there is a massive interest in um, bringing young people into the space of uh, philanthropy. Um, it may not be in the same kind of uh it, it might be at parts of you know the the funding journey or at the beginning or the beginning or, or at the at the middle or the end but i think um the conversations are happening so keep a lookout look at you know the the i don't know the charities that you kind of uh uh are interested in or the foundations that you are kind of interested in or you know of um and hold them accountable firstly and secondly look at if they're you know trying to get young people involved and where can you get yourself involved within that conversation because we need the more young people we have in this space the the louder our voices and our expertise becomes mm, absolutely so 
what what needs do you have? What needs does do you have like within the Spark Fund as you're looking to grow, as you're looking to gain more funding for the work that you're doing? Um, can you talk a little bit about that for others who may be listening um, who are not perhaps young people but want to support the work that you're doing? Um, how, yeah, what are the needs that that you have to continue to grow this? I think the biggest one is resources. Um, and I think it it will be amazing, you know, the more we kind of um, look to bringing more young people in and um, expanding what regions we work in or the kind of types we do, maybe around on gender, around on um, race uh, and, and, and racial like justice work um, or climate change. I think um, organizations, foundations, and the stakeholders that are interested in these pieces of work and involving young people, that's what we need. Um, and that's 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 a huge, huge part of like what we need to kind of um, bring um, this journey to kind of uh, move forward, uh, because, of course, young people are a massive part of it. But I think the stakeholders that are interested or I might be a bit too scared, might be a bit too scared to kind of put their foot in there, but need somebody else to do that for them. Um, yeah, I think this is the space to tap into, which is the spark one, because I feel like, yeah, um, there's a lot of kind of um, excitement, risk taking and um, learning to be done. Um, within the the sector and I think um, it'll be amazing to have everybody kind of come along with us mm. or even lead us give us give, I think let, let me not I think um, at like we're like the innovators and we're like you know the first to do it kind of thing but those that are already doing it doing it better than I guess um, us also we want to hear from them and we want to hear kind of um, you know what what can we do to improve because you know there's a lot of learning to be done not only for us to output but also input in terms of um, what we learn yeah yeah, absolutely. So for those who want to learn more, want to get in touch, um, get involved, what where is the best place to um, to find out more about the Spark Fund? So you can email us <laughs> at um, spark at globalfundforchildren.org or we have a massive, like, like, massive amount of information on our website on Global Fund for Children. Um, just, you know, search Spark Fund and you can find out more about um, the different regions. You can find out about the different cool things that our youth panelists have been up to. Um, as well as kind of like what's coming next and what we're looking for um whole lot of information but if you have any direct questions please do not hesitate to contact us yay amazing thank you so much for joining me today i'm so grateful for the work that you're doing to really put the power in the hands of young people um to create the change that the world really needs um yeah I, I appreciate that work so much and thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and your busy yeah, schedule to, to speak to me as well no thank you so much for having me it's been it's been a great conversation and i really appreciate having this space to kind of explore all of these different topics Oh, what an important conversation. Nasra has really inspired me to continue to ensure that young people are leading at all levels and to prioritize self-care and promoting mental health for changemakers. The work she is doing with Global Fund for Children and the Spark Fund is so incredibly inspiring and so important. Global Fund for Children is also a publishing member of Girls Globe. As an organization, they have access to publish on the Girls Globe platform and use it to share inspirational stories of the work that they do and to amplify voices of young people in their community. So you can go and check out their posts at girlsglobe.org. 
At Girls Globe, we amplify the voices of activists, advocates, experts, and organizations. So if you're interested in sharing stories or your expertise with our global audience, you can head over to girlsglobe.org membership to learn more about what we offer individuals and organizations and apply to join our global community of voices. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hey Changemaker with me, Julia Wicklander. If you know of anyone who would appreciate this episode, please share it with them. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That way, more people can find it and you won't miss the next episode. Let's build solidarity to create ripple effects of positive change around the world. It is an honor to have you along with me, learning and growing. Until next week, please remember how powerful you are. You truly are a change maker.